Welcome to Citizens Insight, the Citizens Party's interview series on matters of national and international importance. Today, the fight for justice for sterling victims. Now, regular viewers of the Citizens Report, which is our weekly show, would be aware the Citizens Party in the last few months has highlighted the case of Sterling First, this financial scandal that has left about 140 elderly retirees and pensioners in danger of losing their homes and being evicted. And this is an example of a, we have demonstrated a failing of the regulator, ASIC, and therefore of the government. Um, and it's a, we, we uh, think it's a, it's a very important reason why there should be a new inquiry into ASIC, the regulator, the Australian Securities and Investments um, Commission, because of these failings, we'll, we'll go we'll go through the details um, in a minute with our special guest. But this is something that you know we're now th- uh, three three years after the Royal Commission, the Banking Royal Commission, ASIC was put on that stand at the Royal Commission, and its failings were shown for all the world to see. But what's changed in the last few years since that Royal Commission? Fundamentally, nothing. And in fact, there's lots and lots of evidence that the government is determined to keep ASIC weak as a regulator, which is why this this, uh, Sterling First scandal even happened, how the weakness of ASIC, keep them weak so that there is no constraints on the financial system and financial creditors to do what they do. And that starts from the banks all the way down. That's unacceptable, right? Australians should never get used to the idea that this kind of financial corruption is here to say, that you can have a Royal Commission and nothing come of it. We have to change that. And that's why the first step is to get an inquiry into ASIC and into the government's handling of the financial system since that Royal Commission. And so today we want to talk about in detail this Sterling First scandal so people can see it from the inside through the eyes of one of the victims and and I must say a very outspoken victim. So I want to welcome Beryl Taylor from Western Australia to this week's this um, episode of the Citizens Report. Welcome, Beryl. Good morning. So, Beryl, we'll take whatever time is necessary in the next little period to talk about your case. But let's let's. Um, I want you to introduce yourself to the to the viewers first. Just just give a little bit of your background, and um, you know, uh, so that people can understand what sort of Australian you are, who uh, you know, who as a retiree got involved in this situation? Thank you. Yes, I retired in 2011, 2012. My husband and I both decided to retire. I have been a business manager for many, many years, worked in medical practices as a manager, et cetera, worked for a certain publishing company in the end. That was my last position. Um, I love life. I love Western Australia. Um, We have a family of four daughters and we enjoy living and I believe you had a stint as a grey nomad for a while too. Yes, we certainly did. We travelled Australia, absolutely loved it, uh, then came back and decided to sell our property and downsize because it was the girls that all left home. It was too large. And, and this that's is where... And, that's, and that's, that's where how you came to get involved in Sterling first. All right, so let's start with the basics. Just explain to people... Not your case yet, but what Sterling First was. Sterling First was a retirement option. Instead of going into 
a retirement village or other options where you didn't have to pay yearly fees or anything to do with when you left the property, you then had to pay an outgoing fee. That's what we were so interested in, that there were no outgoing fees. And at the end of our time, my husband and I, our daughters would then benefit from having the funds available to them. And this has been described as rent for life. Correct. Essentially, the people who got involved paid their rent up front in their mind. That's right. We paid our rent up front for 40 years. Um, so you've, you've come back from uh, being a grey nomad. You wanted to downsize. You came across Sterling first. How's, now let's talk about your case. How did you get involved? How was this sold to you? What appealed to you about it? Right. My husband saw it in our local Sunday paper. It was a full-page ad, very colourful, explaining the situation of Sterling First, how you could become involved and have rent for life and you did not have to worry about maintenance or anything. You actually just moved in. The home was yours for the next 40 years. He then sent a message to Sterling First that Sunday, asking if we could have more information. Two weeks later, we had a representative contact us and took us and showed us around five different properties that were available at that time. This was 2016, February 2016. I got cold feet. I was still, I was doing part-time work and the accountant said to me, check all avenues. Okay, so how did you go about doing that? So I went online. She suggested I check with ASIC and I found nothing. Check with everyone that you can speak to and the person that was a director at that stage, I understand, also had a retirement village near our area here. We didn't want to go into that situation. We felt we weren't... to put it bluntly, we weren't old enough right. to go into that sort of situation. We still wanted the freedom to be able to move about, put the caravan on the back of the car and keep travelling. But, of course, that never happened. No. Um, so when you, uh, uh, when you did your due diligence, because you did do your due diligence, and this relates to this term that the government likes to use, caveat emptor, Yes. Let the buyer beware, and we think strongly that it's overused. The way the, way the government applies it is if you get ripped off, it's your own fault, right? But um, So you have just described that you've got a product in front of you that's appealing, but you've had cold feet, so you do your due diligence, and you go to ASIC, et cetera, and you don't find anything there Correct. from, from ASIC. Um, was that enough for you to say, okay, well, I haven't found anything, therefore this looks like um, the good outweighs the potential bad, I'll take it? Not really, because we didn't do anything for 12 months. We sat on it. We paid a deposit, but then I got cold feet and said to Ray, I'm not ready to do this sort of thing. Let's just wait and see what happens. We then had the salesman contact us again out of the blue the property is still available. Are you interested? 
we said at that point in time, yes, we were. We had our funds that we were able to get out of the bank. And in the meantime, we sold the car, the, the four-wheel drive, the caravan. We sold our funeral plan to top up what we had so that we could pay for the property, which is what we did. We then um, paid... Sorry? No, well, just before you go on, now, I want to raise a term that's used now about you, Sterling First Victims, and be, get your thoughts on it. Um, in Parliament, etc. now, you have been called investors. In your mind, Beryl, were you ever an investor? Never, ever were we investors, and I would never, ever, my husband and I would never, ever invest in anything. I do not like it. I cannot trace it properly enough. And as far as we're concerned, we were never, ever investors. We were renters. We paid rent up front, never, ever an investor, and I never would invest in anything. I understand, I understand your previous employer had offered you shares in their company. You still turned that down. Correct. At the time, the shares were quite high, but over the preceding months, the shares went down, and I just kept saying to my husband and I, why would we invest in something that we're losing money? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> So you're, you're someone who never saw yourself as an investor. So when you sign up to Sterling First, you, at no point were you ever thinking, I'm investing here. Essentially, you think, I'm paying rent for the rest. I'm, I'm prepaying rent for the rest of our lives. Correct. We never, ever had enough funds to be an investor. Never. Our money was too hard earned in 48 years or 49 years of marriage. We both worked. You know, there's no way would we become an investor. We didn't have the funds. So when you saw, when you signed up, what did they tell you you were signing? He told us we were signing a REWA lease. REWA being Resident Re uh, Real Estate Institute of WA. Correct, yes. And that's all we were going to be signing. There was never mention of anything else. We didn't even receive any pamphlets for, prior to signing up. We never got any brochures, nothing. So not, a product, not a product disclosure form that comes with no, investment? No, nothing. We never saw anything. All we saw was a flyer in the West, sorry, the Sunday Times on that Sunday, and that was all we saw. Nothing, nothing at all. So um, you've signed up. I presume you move into your house. Yeah. When did you first know something was wrong? We received a phone call from a neighbour stating ASIC was coming around asking tenants questions, but they never, ever came and knocked on our door. So it's purely hearsay. I understand they did knock on other people's door, but we never saw them, no. How long had you been living in the property by this time? 18 months. Okay, so what So what, what are we talking, 2018? 2018, that? yes. Or I think it was August, September 2018. Yeah, because you, you, you first responded to the ad in 2016, you sat on it for 12 months, signed in 2017, and then you're seeing um, you, your neighbours inform you ASIC is door knocking in 2018. Correct. That, yes, we signed up in February 17, and then August 18 is when we had them. We also had the bank come through and do a valuation on the property. Right. They asked us to come through and do a valuation. 
which we allowed them to do. Did you wonder? Did you wonder what was going on there? Yes, yes. And then things started to snowball. I should use that terminology from then on. That's when we realised things weren't a hundred percent. I sent an email to the person who signed us up, Ryan Jones. Yeah. Don't worry about it. ASIC's doing nothing. We're all under control. Forget about it. Just live life as normal. So when did you absolutely know something was wrong? Not to suspect, no for certain, something this is the... We've it was stuck um, April 2019. And that's when, is that the time when Sterling first actually collapsed? Co- correct, yes, yes. And in that meantime, we received a PDF, which we now know as a PDS, in an envelope with a bundle of documents. And Ryan said to us at signing, just put it away in the filing cabinet. You won't need it. Yours are safe as houses. And it wasn't until after the collapse that I pulled those documents out and realised, <laughs> with the help of an advocate, what we had in front of us. And, and what was your realisation that essentially you had you were effectively an investor in a managed investment? Absolutely shattered. For two weeks, my husband and I couldn't keep a dry eye. We right. could we never went out of the house. We couldn't look at anyone. We blamed ourselves for getting in a situation that we had no control over. And we just didn't know where to go. And then we had to tell our four daughters and their part husbands what we had done. And we were still blaming ourselves. Yeah. It wasn't till we went to the first, second and third creditors meeting we realised it wasn't us. We had done nothing wrong except hand our money over to a so-called bank account with the word trust in it. Yeah, that's a key, that's a key point. You, you were told that the money you were prepaying, which was in the hundreds of thousands, was being put into a trust. That's what you were told. And instead, it was put into a bank account with the name trust. Correct. It's not a trust. It's just there was never a trust. No, no. So you start sniffing something's wrong in 2018. It's proved in April 2019 when when um, Sterling first collapses. Let me ask you this: When did ASIC first know something was wrong? I'm not exactly sure the exact date, but I do know the government gave them money to investigate, and I believe it was four hundred and fifty or five hundred thousand the first time. The the liquidator then was Ferrier Hodson, yeah, which I've got a huge file full of paperwork, their first report. They then deemed certain landlords were not creditors. Right. And then KPMG took over and as it paid them another 450000 to do a report. And to this date, and after many phone calls and many emails, I have not got a copy of that report they keep telling me ASIC has it. ASIC keeps telling us, no, they don't. Nothing is being done. Well, you've been working with um, Denise Braley 
Beryl, from the who's who founded the Banking and Finance Consumer Support Association. Denise is a um, great friend of ours. I've interviewed her a number of times for our shows, um, and of course, uh, famously, one of them was the first week of the Royal Commission, which dealt with mortgage fraud. That Denise um, is an expert in was so dramatic. We flew her over here to attend the Royal Commission in person. And so she was there on the spot for the second week, except instead of the Royal Commission dealing with this subject in detail, they, as they'd started the first week, suddenly they only touched on it for another day or so, and then they moved on to other kinds of, of banking um, misconduct, and they, and they ended up barely touching the sides. Um, I know from everything I've looked at, Denise Braley is the leading expert on a lot of this banking and financial misconduct in Australia, just through sheer experience. She's a qualified criminologist, but her experience comes from actually fighting for bank victims. So she has helped you and your fellow victims immensely. Um, let's just talk about that part of it for a minute. What have you learned from Denise? My goodness, we were very naive. Unfortunately, the 140 of us, we all were. Denise has shown us that it was a Ponzi. Yeah. She has also shown us the corruption going on in the government and also brought to our attention how people can lie. Yeah. Lie even to our faces, even the local members of parliament. We have tried every avenue and no one has been willing to step up and help us apart from Denise. We've now been granted a lawyer and yourselves to fight this crime. It's a crime scene. No, it is a crime. And Denise, as a, as a criminologist, has a smell for the crime. Um, Denise has pointed out, and we've published a lot of this in our articles about Sterling First, and they're on our website, by the way, people can people can go back and look at the series of articles that Melissa Harrison has written. But Denise pointed, Beryl found it, Beryl first suspected something was wrong in 2018. Sterling first was notified, sorry, ASIC was first, received its first complaint about Sterling first, according to Denise, in 2015. And then many complaints, subsequent complaints after that, including in 2016, 2017, etc. When, when, ASIC first received complaints about Sterling First. The company had only um, accumulated, I think, $400,000 at first. And ASIC let it keep growing and growing and growing. And then there was an official complaint from the Western Australian Department of Commerce that, that still ASIC ignored for about seven months. And in that time, the, it grew by a few million more again. So by the time the final collapse happened in April 2019, um, I think the figure is $18 million yes. is what Sterling first lost in that collapse. And that $18 million is the money from the 140 um, elderly uh, retirees and elderly pensioners um, like Beryl, right? So this, let's talk, let's talk about more about ASIC's failings now. And you can, you can um, uh just tell us what you know off the top of your head about these key people. But you've mentioned Ryan Jones. Ryan Jones is the son of Ray Jones, one of the directors of Sterling First. And I want—I want, just want you to comment on what you know about him, and then we'll, and then his fellow director Simon Bell. So, what do you know about Ray Jones? 
Ray Jones, I understand over many, many years, and I think it's up to 50 years we've now found out, Ray Jones has been involved in many different companies. He starts as a director and two days later he'll resign as a director or the company goes bankrupt. He fools people into a false sense of security, believing he's going to offer you the world. He even stood inside the office the day we signed and said to both Ray and I, you will never, ever have any issues or any problems ever again. The property is yours. Do what you like with it. They were his words. Ryan is the son. There is also a sister who was involved as well in the property side of the business. And it's been going... Sorry, Beryl, when, when Ray said, and I can imagine how reassuring that was, Ray Jones yes. saying that to you. This is 2017 when you're signing. If you had have known that he had only just been discharged from bankruptcy in 2015, the same year he started Sterling First, would you have signed? Never in a million years I would have run. Our money is too hard to come by. We had very little super because super didn't come in till the 90s, etc. No way. We would never, ever have signed. And he was with Heritage and ripped them off millions, millions. And it goes back, as you said, much further. There's there's a there's a case involving ASIC's predecessor in the early 90s, which was a rural version of a rent for life scheme where Ray Jones ripped off. I mean, people who invested with Ray Jones lost something like $30 million then. He's a serial Ponzi schemer. He is. He is. And ASIC knew him. That's what I I can't get in my head, that ASIC knew this was all going on the whole time. They helped them rewrite the PDS five times still allowing him to trade, still allowing him to take money after the stop order. After the stop order, he was still taking money off us retired people and nothing has been done to him, nothing. Let's talk about the other, what can you tell us about the other director that we've paid attention to, Simon Bell? Simon Bell to do with West Point. And we all know what happened with West Point. They are just serial Ponzi people. They just start a Ponzi, get all the money, where it goes, I do not know, and then disappear. The curious thing there was, so West Point was a very large development scandal. Uh, It cost its investors hundreds of millions of dollars. They only got half of their money back at best. Um, KPMG featured in that scandal as the as um, people involved in picking over the bones of that scandal, Simon Bell was able to, there's, a, there's an unbroken um, succession from the West Point scandal to uh, a, a series of intermediate country companies that then turned into Sterling First. Um, KPMG was assisting in that process. ASIC, as Beryl just referred to, helped this company heritage turned into Sterling first and write the product disclosure statement that when Beryl was given 
it in a box of goods and it's stuck in the bottom of the box, was told not to worry about it, right? ASIC actually helped them do that. Um, and then when it all went pear-shaped and Sterling first had to be inquired into, ASIC appoints KPMG to conduct the inquiry. Correct. Right? Yet nobody, here are these two serial um, offenders when it comes to Ponzi schemes, nobody has taken them to court. And that's why you, you, there's no way to look at this, um, Beryl, without saying uh, what the hell went wrong with ASIC. Exactly. And the government is paying them to do a job that they're not doing. There is no backbone in the ASIC at all, yeah. as we know, because Shipton came on the radio and stated he would investigate and look into Sterling first on 6PR when it all collapsed. Two weeks later, he was shut down. We've never heard from him since. Now, the issue there is, I, I think... I, I, you know, we're, we're not in a position to prove everything yet, but, I, but no. I'm confident to say one thing um, assertively, which is that we have a government that wants a weak regulator because we have a government that's captured by the banks and the banks are at the top of the financial system. This is a government that's not necessarily work, you know, in the pockets of Sterling first, because that's not that big an operation necessarily, although I understand it has big plans, but it's certainly captured by the banks. And so it wants a weak regulator that will never threaten the banks, and a consequence of that is a weak regulator can't do its job in any area. And the problem is if, the, if for, for, the, for the Frydenberg, for Josh Frydenberg and Scott Morrison, if they, if they um, take up the Sterling first issue and actually make sure justice is done... They can't do it without overhauling ASIC. Correct. They get, that philosophically goes completely against the grain. So what's happening instead? Well, the except for the, um, the wonderful Denise Braley, the 140 victims have basically been left to their own devices. So you're in the impossible situation, Beryl, where in order to try and desperately stay in their homes, very elderly people are being forced to sue their landlords, and it's not necessarily their landlord's fault, but the, the essence is you've got a legitimate tenancy agreement, a real estate institute, of WA agreement. It's legitimate. It's bona fide. You've paid your money and you're being forced to go to court to uphold the legitimacy of that agreement. So there was a court hearing with um, on yes last week, sorry, Friday, um, Thursday and Friday last week, which was the second one following a court hearing a few weeks earlier. Tell me how they're going. Right. Unfortunately, their law firm decided they would not represent them because they felt the case would go the same way as the first case, Sousa Thomas case. So the 86-year-old decided he would fight in the Supreme Court for what he believed, and I believe, is his right to stay in the property. Yeah. So he then had to fight against a barrister from the other side. He also had a delightful witness by the name of Denise Braley, our advocate. How'd that go? Oh, that was wonderful. She certainly got her point across. There is no stopping Denise in any way to get her point across. No, Even though the not. judge tried to shut her down constantly, 
Denise got the most valued points out that we never, ever received the PDS. And we offered to pay the landlords a doable payment to help them out until this matter could be resolved. Mind you, two years and three months later, we're all being dragged through the Supreme Court now. And now you've explained to me that of the 140 victims, the relationship between the tenant and the landlord varies. It's not, it's not all the same. Some of the landlords, though, in this situation are as much of victims as you are. Correct. Right? And because they got Sterling first approached them and said, hey, look, we've got long-term tenants for your home, right? Elderly people, they're not going to trash it, et cetera. It's wonderful for your investment property. And they got drawn into it then. It's not their fault that they're not getting, they haven't been paid for two and a half years because of the, the collapse of Sterling first. So it's because the government hasn't intervened here, it's an impossible situation where you've got tenants trying to sue landlords for the right to stay in a property and it, there's no solution there, right? So, no, you know, and something... the landlords haven't come on board at all with us. They're taking us to court. It should be They should be taking the Sterling directors to court, yes. not us. We, as the Supreme Court judge said, we have done nothing wrong. That was that's, her finding. Well, that's that's an important point. That's that's the question for the landlords as well. Take look. One of the things that, just as an observation from me, Beryl, um, that there's a, there's a the total dimension of this scandal includes the fact that the victims are retirees and elderly pensioners. You don't get to start again. No. There's plenty of people. No, nobody deserves to be a victim of financial um, fraud in Australia. There's plenty of people that get get victimised and then they can pick themselves up and try and start again. You don't have that option. No. Plus, there's a lot of you involved in the one case. This is the, for many, many reasons, including that. I think the government has to intervene here um, and show some leadership because then, if they want to deal through with the courts, get the scan, get the landlords and the tenants on the same side, correct, right, and take on the people who perpetrated this fraud. But for some reason, they're not. And ASIC's not doing anything about them. And the, then the question has to be why? Why are they being protected by the regulator and by the government? Exactly. They're protected. It's We've been to our local members of parliament. We went to a meet and greet meeting three weeks ago. I stated that if they evict us from this property, I will pitch a tent out the front of the local member's office. His secretary walked up to me and said, well, the weather will be warmer by then, won't it? We were absolutely gobsmacked at that comment. She assured us we would get an email every week. I've never had an email from them since. Who is is your local member, Beryl? Hasty. Andrew Hasty. Andrew Hasty. And I believe the neighbouring electorate of Tangney um, uh, is Ben Morton, who you've also had some dealings with. Look, again, I'm going to make an observation here. Um, uh, about Mr. Hasty, Mr. Hasty is someone I've had a lot of um, paid a lot of attention to lately. This is a person who spends all his time in our parliament trying to start war with China. Correct. Andrew Hasty, represent your, your 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 constituents for crying out loud, right? No, he's not interested. Doesn't want to talk to us. I've been down to his office. I've handed paperwork over, same as I handed paperwork over in May to Mr Frydenberg. There was six of us that kindly got donations to attend his breakfast when he came here in Western Australia. 
I personally, with another person, walked up and handed him 110 letters from every one of us that are available to write letters to him explaining the situation. He's never responded once. We left the breakfast and we went and sat in the foyer and had a coffee. Unbeknown to us, Ben Morton was sitting next door to us at another table. He came up and asked us what we were discussing and why were we discussing Josh Frydenberg. We explained the Sterling situation. All right, I'll make sure he receives those letters and reads them. I've had one email since then from Ben Morton stating, please, Mr Frydenberg, can you look at this issue? Nothing. Every week since that date, I have sent a copy of Ms. Ben Morton's letter to Mr Frydenberg and my letter saying, I'm sure your staff are fed up receiving my letters, but I'm going to keep sending you a letter every week. And, and, and good on you. I'll, and I'll just emphasise why that response is particularly lame. Ben Morton is a minister. Yes. Andrew Hastie is a minister. They're both assistant ministers, but they're not nobodies. Hastie is the assistant minister for defence. Ben Morton is the assistant minister to the prime minister. Thank you. Right? He is in a position to wander next door to Scott and say, Scott, 140 elderly people are going to be evicted on the streets and they've got nowhere else to go because of this failing by ASIC. We need to fix it. And, instead, and, and they could fix it. Exactly. If they wanted to, they could fix it. And there's a small amount of ben, from Ben Morton going through the motions. Not, Andrew Hayes is not even going through the motions to even try and fix this. So, Beryl, what are you calling for? We're calling for a Senate inquiry into Sterling. First and foremost, Sterling, and then a Royal Commission into ASIC. And it's well overdue, which we're right behind you um, on that. I think also... There is a question of compensation here, though, and the compensation would actually fix this very quickly. Correct. Uh, and and, and uh, maybe we'll put up the photo of you holding up your, your, your fake check there. But it's $18 million, right? All the federal government has to do is pay out. Now, what, now why, why are the, is the federal government liable for $18 million? Because this is ASIC's failing. Because ASIC knows these directors of Sterling First going way back ASIC knows they've got um, victims in their wake going back decades. Yet when Beryl looks on the ASIC website and does her searches and does her due diligence, there's nothing there to warn her against getting involved in this, right? That's why it's a failing of ASIC, a, a clear, complete failing of ASIC, and therefore the government, the federal government is liable and all they've got to do is pay the 18 million pounds to keep 140 pensioners in their homes where they belong, people who cannot start again. That's my that's that's my comment um, on it, Beryl. Um, any final words that you'd like to get across to viewers about any part of this experience? We have put submissions into the, uh, the CSLR with regard to Which means getting out... Compensation scheme of last, of last resort. resort. Yeah. But they're, because they've deemed us as investors, which is a lie, we are not, we are being denied basically any payment whatsoever. No, there is nothing, nothing for us. We've applied, 
AFCA have put us on hold since 2019. We have been to Theta, who was supposed to be the trust fund, through Worrells. There's nothing there because it is fraud. No matter which way we turn, they are trying to turn us away. But believe me, while there's a breath in my body and my family's body, we won't give up. Well, Beryl, and we won't give up fighting with you because every, every bank victim or financial fraud victim in Australia is a failing of the system. And our interest as the Citizens Party is fixing up the system, yes. right, because it shouldn't have to be this way. And especially when you have, such, as you just said, you've heard from Beryl, she's, these victims have been given the bureaucratic runaround, ASIC, Instead of dealing with a handball to AFCA, AFCA had no money to investigate the case. They're told that you've got to go to the compensation scheme of last resort. Then, then bureaucratically, they say, oh, you're an investor, not a, not a renter. So we're going to interpret you that way. Yet um, that is not the truth of what Beryl and the rest of the, and her husband, the rest of the victims were signing up for. You cannot, you just can't sit back and let 140 people slip through the cracks like this, right? And it's a failing of the system. And until we fix this system up, there's going to be more of them. And everything oh, constantly. Had, sure. That's why, that's why we had a Royal Commission. Everything we had from this, we are getting from this government since that Royal Commission is they've been allowed to get away with just ignoring that Royal Commission and, and two years later already try and throw out a lot of the findings, right? And I could, I could um, rant and rave all day about that. But there's a, this is the, we have to keep the attention on this so that people know that the, the shock we all felt in 2018 during the Royal Commission, which should have led to change, hasn't led to change, that doesn't mean you give up and say, see, you'll never change the system. You keep fighting. Beryl's going to keep fighting, and we're going to keep fighting with her and the victims of Sterling first. So, Beryl, thanks very much for joining us today on Citizens Insight. Thank you. And Thank thanks you, and I really appreciate, I really appreciate all your help. In, without Denise Braley... We've got no one else we can fall back on. No one. No one wants to help us. Well, and that we should have a separate campaign for um, appointing, as I said on air once before with Denise, she should be the chair of ASIC. Exactly. Be the, she, even if it's there, a special commission to make her chair of ASIC long enough to clean it up once and for all. Correct. She would be the person to do it. So um, we're good on you, Denise. Um, good on you, Beryl. You know, we, we're happy to fight with you guys, but I admire the fight that you've put up, right? That's very, very important. It's very difficult to fight these, you know, bigger financial institutions and the bureaucracy, et cetera, but you can't give up and um, the Citizens Party is going to keep fighting as well. So thanks for, thanks for joining us and thanks to the viewer for joining us on this um, episode of Citizens Insight. Stay, stay with us on our, on our regular Citizens Report show where we'll do updates on this. Um, and give you instructions on how you can help with the campaign to get an inquiry going into ASIC. There's discussions in Parliament about that, but there'll be, there'll be certain instructions we can give you sometime in the near future, say, look, pick up the phone and make phone calls, we could get an inquiry up, and then um, if you can participate in that, that's how we'll, we'll achieve some justice here. All right, thanks, Beryl. Thank you. If I have to walk to Canberra, I've told Denise I will walk to Canberra, believe me. They will not stop me. No way. No way in this world. No, don't stop. Look, that, it, you've got to 
Well, what I mean, what else are you going to do? You've got to do it. Um, well, but- I fought cancer. I've done that. I'm not going to give in to that and never will. And I'm not going to give in to this government. Never, ever. No. Thanks, Robbie. Here, here.